0: Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your MLB is about to miss its own deadline to not miss any games home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, and you can find us wherever you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the fact that MLB players don't make as much money as you think, and the Cubs for Bleed Cubby Blue, and I am thrilled to be joined once again from Mexico, which I am super jealous of, by Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny?
1: Oh, it's going great. I was in the pool this morning. I was floating around. I'm, I went for a walk uh, right next to the ocean this morning. I had steak and eggs for breakfast. Like the only thing wrong with my life is the fact that there's not going to be baseball seemingly anytime soon, barring an amazing breakthrough. But other than that, I'm fabulous.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much the only thing going wrong for me at the moment too. And we're just going to jump right into it because these negotiations, they picked up the pace. They've been, they're finally meeting every day and only took them 3 months to do that, which I mean, I get. Do they get congratulations for that? Do we like congratulate them for figuring out that they should meet when they're negotiating? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but they are actually meeting every day. The players made an offer on Saturday that Saturday, February 26th that was basically Um, it it had a lot of give in it, right? Like they gave on some of the pre-arb stuff that they were looking for. They gave on some of the draft stuff that they were looking for. And the owners came back uh, basically saying no and adding $1 million over the course of the next five seasons (laughs) to their CBT offer, which was already terrible. So uh, if you have been looking at the Twitterverse uh, takes on the future of the 2022 MLB season, the CBA, you have likely concluded like a lot of people that the regular season is in serious jeopardy. Bleed Cubby Blues editor, Al Yellen has a great write up uh, Sunday morning about with all a summary of sort of where we are at, but Danny, this looks bleak. I don't really see anyone out there thinking there's going to be a last minute deal on Sunday. It looks like MLB is trying to break the union. They would love to roll back any of the advantages that the players have gotten, uh, in the last 20 or 30 years. I mean, this is, this is bleak stuff. This looks like we're going to, we're in, we're in this for the long haul. They are going to miss spring training. They are probably going to miss a month or so of the regular season until one side bleaks. That's my take. What do you think?
1: Uh, I mean, the, the players seem to have been giving every single time that they come back with a proposal, uh, they originally wanted uh to get 6 years down to 5 years until they became free agents or become free agents by age 30. We went through that they you know how that would be fair maybe uh to do but because it's something that they gave in the last one and it didn't help them. Uh and you know they gave that they gave up on that right away. So they gave up that uh they conceded that to the owners. Now they They've conceded um, playoff. We're going to talk about it a little bit, but but the fact that we will go to a ridiculous 14-team playoff uh, tournament. I'm going to call it a tournament because now it's like a Little (laughs) League round robin basically at the end of a a baseball season. So they've acquiesced on that. They've acquiesced, uh, acquiesced on the Super 2 status people that would get paid earlier. They've acquiesced on the bonus pool. Uh, and they weren't close in that number by the time that they've acquiesced. And so it seems to me that it's only the players that have been giving an inch every time the owners seemingly acquiesced on something like the DH. They're like, okay, we'll give you the DH, but there will now be – 42 teams in the minor leagues only there will also, you know, there would be no draft pick penalty, you know, you know, or they, the CBT will stay the same for the next hundred years. You know, I mean, as they twirl their evil mustache, you know, it's like, it really comes down to the fact that they, and I've said it on the show before, if you're a long time listener, religious greed on their part, greed by kind of in the, the design of how they go about their entire lives that they want to take more of the pie than they have in the past as new revenue streams come through, as the television deals come through, as um, uh, well, the gambling revenues that we're not even counting yet are about to come through. So it's like, these guys can wait it out. The players, not so much. And uh, it's just, I feel like the players are going to eventually have to blink and the owners aren't going to budge and we're just not going to get a baseball season until the players just say, okay, fine, we'll do whatever you want. We'll just play. And that's really heartbreaking uh, because I, at some point, I think people are going to just be mad at everybody and walk away from my favorite sport even further than they already have. So it's just like, so you said bleak. Yeah. If they don't figure this out, it gets bleaker by the day. And what is it? We're 24 hours from basically them announcing the cancellation of baseball games and 81 games at Wrigley Field. Man, to you and me and a lot of our listeners, that is a sacred thing. And if you start messing with that, now now you're hurting like our friendships and you know, we live in the neighborhood, you know. This is our this is our lives. It's your livelihood. You write about the team, it's mentioned now yelling all the other bloggers and and uh, and podcasters and uh, you know, new media, media, old media, the ushers. I mean, the vendors, the t-shirt sellers. I mean, it just runs deep and it's, and it just freaking sucks. Uh, and I don't know if I can forgive it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm mad. I'm, I'm mad. And I, and I don't know if I'm, um, I'm I'm probably tapping into other people's anger about this too, but I, I mean, I really do blame the owners, uh, just because I feel like their sense of fairness sucks. So that's my opinion. (laughs)
0: Their sense of fairness totally sucks. And and I want to get into a little bit about what you were talking about with living in the neighborhood, the people whose lives depend on this. Like, you know, we, we create content about the Cubs. Like we need, we, we, this would be a better podcast if there was baseball, if we could talk about some drills that were going on or a sick thing that we saw from a new pitcher or something like that, this podcast would be a lot more interesting. Instead we're talking about these CBA fights, but you know, Spring training is a big business in Arizona and in Florida. There are communities that depend on that month-ish of games to make sure that they have there's ticket revenues, there's people staying in hotels, there's people eating at restaurants, there's people heading to the bars to chit-chat after the games. Like there are lots of people who make their living off that. And if you have ever been around Wrigley Field, in the offseason, you know that it is just a different place when the Cubs are in, in season and when the Cubs are not in season. And and that's no, you know, it's fine. Like, the neighborhood is fine. Like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to survive and it'll be okay. It survived the pandemic. It can survive this. But it's not the same as when the place is just buzzing because the players are around, the Cubs are in town, the flags are up, people are heading into the bars, talking about the games, talking about baseball. And I am... A little bit furious that the owners can't seem to bring together a 75% majority that understands that they need baseball to happen in order to make money. (laughs) Just like they clearly have eight plus. They don't need money. They clearly have eight plus small market guys who are willing to just like punt on the whole thing in order to save $200 million over the next five years. And I think that is short-sighted nonsense.
1: Well, and it's about kind of how they want to set up the future economics of the sport, at least for the next, what, five, six years? or I mean, I don't even know. Is there a set? even schedule for when this needs to run out. The last one was what? Six years long.
0: I think they're five years. I think they're always five years, but it's like, so always five. Okay. Yeah. So they started, but, but the the last couple haven't had this drawn out negotiating process. There hasn't been a lockout or a strike or anything. And so it was kind of like they would meet in the, fall and winter of 2016 after the Cubs won the world series. And then the deal for 2017 through 2021 would just be like, it would happen. And it was, we, it it was seamless and we didn't see anything. However, the reason it was seamless is because the players were getting hosed in those deals, right? The players were not fighting back in those deals and the owners were just like, yeah, we're just going to like stop the CBT from growing at all. Uh, We talked about that last time. We won't get into it this time. I do want to get in. To a little bit of how the mood and tenor has shifted, because since we talked last week, I felt like last week there was some optimism that with picking up the pace of negotiations and with the teams and sides meeting more frequently with John Henry of the Red Sox coming in to sort of offer that big market team vision in the negotiating room as opposed to letting it be run by the smaller market teams. It was Dick Monfort, I believe, from the Rockies, who was running that before. And We already made fun of that because, like, honest <laughs> to God, do you really want the league to run like the Rockies? They they paid the Cardinals to take Nolan Arenado. That is not a good model for the future of the sport of Major League well, you, Baseball. you
1: got to see. Where, where he lives, there's not a lot of oxygen in the air. He was just a little <laughs> lightheaded when he made that move, I think. <laughs> Up there, oh. 10,000 feet in the air, you know.
0: But, you know, there was some optimism, you know, you bring in the Red Sox owner, he like kind of brings together a coalition, it does not appear there's any hope of a coalition. I spent this morning reading the the, you know, the powers that, the, that be the guys who are there to can get a sense of the negotiations by talking to the people who are in the room and Evan Drellich like, doesn't think that the regular season is going to start on time thinks they're going there's going to need to be some sizable missed playing time here for people to move. Maury Brown at Forbes kind of had a similar take. Like Craig Calcaterra thinks the MLB is trying to break the union. Jeff Passan, Jeff Passan, who, uh, look, no offense to Jeff Passan. He's not usually a flamethrower, but he's kind of out there. Like these offers from MLB are small and not helpful. What is going on? And when you have lost, when you have lost Jeff Passan, like really MLB, (laughs) reconsider.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah it's 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 pretty frustrating because none of the offers have been serious at, it, from major league baseball and the players have been giving concession after concession what were they down to about they asked originally for 75% of super two players to make it into some pre-arbitration situation 80 and i down think to like 80 80 down to what now they're down to like 32 up to yeah. 28 like they've totally given on the entire thing, I might be wrong with those numbers, but they came way down, and the bonus pool that was even an, that was even a non-starter for these uh, for the owners, and uh, you know they're like, okay, ten million dollars, but we said a hundred ten, okay, can we meet somewhere in the middle? No, ten million dollars. It's like <laughs> it, it, it it gets to the point where you wonder uh, if uh, you do have a labor relations board case, and I know these things are hard to prove that the that the owners and Major League Baseball are not negotiating in good faith because that is, I think, the law that <laughs> you have to do. It, that. So It is um, indeed.
0: It is indeed the law.
1: Uh, sometimes the law gets a little, you know, lawy, you know, or, or un, uh, you know, the law gets a little fuzzy is what I'm saying a lot of times, depending on who's enforcing it. But, uh, you know, the other thing with the small market versus the big market owners, I mean, why wouldn't you want to be the Pirates? You know what I mean? Just, like, just lose 100 games, pocket 60 mil. Like, you know, it's all gravy to you. You don't care. So, I think there are different owners. I think Tom Ricketts is one of the owners that probably really does want a season to happen. Totally. A hotel across the street. You know, he's trying to get this, he's trying to get uh, breaking, he's breaking ground on a casino in his ballpark. If there's not going to be anybody around, then, you know, what does he got? Just a... If, a couple concerts, you know, that's about it. Uh, mommy baby yoga class at the, in the, you know, in the courtyard. Like, I don't know. Like, it, it just seems that they all are, maybe aren't in lockstep on this. And I can see the fact that you, how many tanking teams you got right now? How many of these loser teams that are just getting the, that are getting the profit sharing money, at least a third of them, right? Totally. now. The A's want in. Did you see that? And so, like, why why wouldn't they just be like, "Yeah, we'll just take the money, let the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers and the Cubs make all the money, and you give it to us, and then we'll play you, and we'll lose 120 games a year." And you know, it's just it's turning into like I don't know. It's they they don't have the they don't have enough votes. They don't have it. Otherwise, maybe you could at least. Do some compromises, but I feel like you got the Pirates guy sitting there being like, "No, I like things how they are, and I want to keep them this way." And the A's are like, "Yeah, I want in on that. <laughs> Let me in too." So it's 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 a it's a mess.
0: Let's talk about the duty to bargain in good faith for a second, because we've given Eugene Friedman a shout out on this podcast a few times before. But really, if you're not following Eugene, you need to be following Eugene. And like every day I feel like he drops a thread that just expands my knowledge of how the labor process works exponentially. And he's such a smart guy. He's such an accessible guy to read at Eugene Friedman on Twitter. Definitely give him a follow. But he had a really great tweet thread um, out yesterday looking at the, the obligation that both sides have to negotiate in good faith and whether or not MLB is actually doing that, right? Like, are they bargaining in good faith when they don't move? I mean, Danny mentioned the uh, pre r the the Super 2 players, like, going from the the players start at 80. The league is like, no, we want it to stay at 22. The players say, we'll go to 75. The league is like, how about 22? The players are like, we'll go to 50. The league is like, nope, 22. Now the players are down to, like, 35. The league is still sitting at 22. I mean, this is not a negotiation. A negotiation requires gives and takes. One side asks for something. The other side moves on it, right? Like, this, I am frustrated with this because baseball is my favorite sport. There are a few things I love more in the universe than baseball. And I'll just be very transparent. I think I've mentioned it on the show before early in the pandemic negotiations when a similar bleak outlook about how much baseball is actually going to happen and can these people come to any sort of agreement at all was going on. It feels to me like there is go- there's going to be a s- substantial loss of games and that is heartbreaking to me because those three hours that I spend with the Cubs on an almost daily basis from April until October is pretty sacred to my rhythm as a human being. It, it gives it gives me something to get excited about. It gives me something to be interested in outside of my own like work life and things that are going on. It lets me see friends like Danny and Mai Tai and Crawley over at the bleachers. I love the rhythm of baseball season. It is 100% one of my favorite things. And right now I feel like the owners are just like, we don't care. We don't care about providing that to fans. We don't care about providing a little bit more security to players. We don't care about protecting the trust of the nation's pastime. All the owners seem to care about is that they make point Two, five more percent on their bottom line year after year after year after year, regardless of what it does to the game of baseball.
1: Yeah. And and I have to add, too, that they all of their ideas stink. Like the owners are like because they're going to make they make more money with the playoffs, for example, like they that's where their bread and butter is. That's where their TV money comes streaming in billions of dollars um and in, in the playoffs so th- they basically want to let everybody into the playoffs because they think everybody's going to watch that so it, it cheapens the regular season it it also uh, i mean it lets mediocre teams into the playoffs which i mean i don't know why you'd want to watch 500 500- Baseball teams get into the playoffs so I don't, with that maybe don't deserve to be there. I mean, and who knows? They could win the World Series, and it just because they got hot at the right time, like
0: correct, you know that could
1: happen too. Because baseball is a sport like that, so that's why I think it's important to keep mediocre teams out of it because they're not they shouldn't be there to just get hot at the right time. Like it's, I it's just my opinion, but but it's just it seems like the things that the owners want to do. Hey, let's uh, let's get let's put a, a runner on second to get, make extra innings not happen anymore. well we don't like that we don't think it's it's a good idea well it's too bad I, we think it's great it's gonna speed up the game you know it's like all their ideas kind of stink too um it, well and also like can we get into the playoffs thing a little yeah. bit because this let's is, do it this is a huge give this is a huge give on the part of the players because if you can be a 500 baseball team and i did write this down like last year who would have been in the playoffs? if uh, they had a 14-team playoffs.
0: Oh, Danny, just before you talk about this, I want to clarify one thing. So MLB wants a 14-team playoff system, 14 out of 30 teams, that's basically half the league. The players have countered with a 12-team expanded playoff. Uh, which is still too many as far as I'm concerned. But I just wanted to clarify that there is still like a little bit of wiggle room there. But both, both sides seem to know, the players said last week that expanded playoffs are off the table if any regular season games are missed. So if Monday really is the deadline for regular season games being missed, it sort of seems like Expanded playoffs are dead in the water at that point. And that will hit all of the owners in the pocketbooks because they will not get the revenue from those extra games. Anyway, go back to what you were saying about which teams would be in and out. I just wanted people to know the differences between the two sides.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for uh, giving like the actual background of what they're trying to negotiate here. And so here's what who would have been in if you're adding uh, two teams uh, per, uh, well, if two teams per league into the playoffs. You have um, the eighty-two and eighty Phillies, and the <laughs> eighty-three and seventy-nine Reds make it in riveting. Um, and then, and then, I guess part of this deal was a buy for the best team. So the Giants, and then the, the Giants would have been in a buy, whatever that means. Uh, oh, they don't play. So you take your, that, that's stupid in and of itself. You take your best <laughs> team that everybody wants to see play. And then it, to gain people's interest in the sport, you have them not play. <laughs> you know, that, that <laughs> makes a sense in the world. <laughs> everybody watch uh, the Giants sit on the bench, even though they won 107 games. Um, in the AL, it, it, it looks a little better. The ninety-one and seventy-one t- Toronto Blue Jays make it, even though they came in fourth place in the East.
0: Man, what a brutal division <laughs> the AL East is!
1: <laughs> True, it always is. It really is a powerhouse. And then ninety and seventy-two Seattle probably gets in, and both of those teams um, actually won more games than the team that actually won the World Series, which is the eighty-eight win Atlanta Braves, who actually took their division because the NL. ADL- east was a dumpster fire last year somehow
0: and won the world series
1: (laughs) and won the world Series. well they were total well you know maybe they played each other to even because they were all good enough to be around just over 500 or just under 500 like you know there was a pretty actually competitive division not necessarily a good division but a competitive one um you know, there's some good players over there. Bryce Harper still plays for the Phillies. Last I checked, you know. So, um, you know that the Nationals were the only kind of ones that fell into the toilet. Um, I think the even the Marlins show promise uh, with their young guys. So, a- anyway, I don't want to get into the NL East. We're far away from talk about the NL East, unfortunately, thanks to thanks to this lockout. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, so you cheapen. The playoffs at that point. Also, there's just a lot that can happen. Like just odds-wise, uh you know, you, we all remember the 83 win Cardinals that freaking backed in. And here's the overall. I hate point. that team. If you, if you, yeah, I know. Who did, every Cup fan does. But if you have an 82 win team in the playoffs, why? And then you're just gonna roll the dice. Isn't that the old adage? Well, you just get in there and you do your best. Once you get in, it's a lottery ticket to win the World Series. Okay, sure. Um, 82 wins. You're probably not a powerhouse team, but you know maybe you get hot. You know that's fine. But if you can tell your fans that you went to the playoffs for the last five years, even if they were 500 and got into the playoffs, you know you you can sell tickets that way by keeping it just exciting enough. Which means you don't have to spend on a team that's going to win 95 games. You're fine winning the 85 and taking your chance just getting into the round-robin tournament. And so, to me, like, the players would be stupid to give them 14 teams at all because that puts half the league in. Right now, it's perfect. It's a third of the teams. Your top third teams get in. That makes sense to me. You go over that, I think it it starts looking a little garbage. Even 12 teams is too much, and I know you agree with me just by the way you introduced it. But (laughs) I think that's a huge that's a huge give on the players part to, to say, no, if you don't, if you want to stop tanking, let's stop middling. You know, that's I mean, a great point. Is there, is there anything worse? Now all the teams can't be amazing, but is there anything worse than a 500 ball club? <laughs> like where you just, they just, they, they're frustrating. Like as a fan 500 ball clubs, you're just one streak away from being decent and
0: like, not and you can't do it. And you can't do that streak. That streak know, never comes.
1: Just just, I mean, it's probably great to keep people's interest because you're like freaking Cubs. Like, you know, they're just either taking two of three or losing two of three. And they can't ever get it together. And we all just sit and talk about this middling team that if we only had a shortstop, we could win some freaking, <laughs> we'd go on a freaking eight-game winning streak and freaking take the division. But everybody's just middling out and beating the Pirates. If we only had a um,
0: shortstop. That might be the theme of the 2022 Cubs if they ever come to fruition, if we only had a shortstop. You know, I want to say one thing more about what you were saying about the size of the divisions, the fact that it really allows teams to put together subpar rosters to get in. It sort of reminds me uh, you know how in hockey, like the regular season doesn't really matter because so many teams get into the Stanley Cup that the Stanley Cup is like the, that's when you start paying attention. I mean, it, it is for me anyway. I usually start paying attention to hockey about three weeks before the Stanley Cup starts. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, where, where are the Bruins? Where are their points? Are they going to get in? Are they not going to get in? And then I then I'm in. Right. Why even have a regular season? If half of the league is going to play in the postseason, why play 162 games, 162 games for seeding, if the point is if like half the teams can just like luck their way in and and I'll be clear I think that the that Mariners team and that Blue Jays team were both real good the playoffs probably would have been better with both of those teams in the postseason last year but the NL had nothing comparable to that right like the fact that the Braves got in at all was kind of like yikes the Braves were a 500 team all the way to the trade deadline like they i I remember writing pieces at FanGraphs where I was looking at their Accumulation of like weird platoon players that they were trying to put in the outfield because their outfield was awful. And it was, it was really like the Braves had not been one game over 500 the entire season up to the trade deadline. And they just happened to get hot at the right time. Does anybody really think the Braves were the best team last year without Ronald Acuna Jr.? I mean, they were, they won the World Series, but like really, really?
1: (laughs) I don't know. Well, and they added quite a bit at the trade deadlines to make all that happen. You know, they, took jock from us and uh Jorge Soler A little ex-cub a lot of ex-cub action on that Braves team um they added
0: middling so, guys though Danny it goes back to your point of middling they added Eddie Rosario they added Adam Deball, they added Jorge Soler they added Jock Peterson the Dodgers added Max Scherzer and Trey Turner and lost
1: well I mean I'm let me play a tidy violin like good <laughs> you know screw them Um, but, uh, I mean, I hate the Dodgers, so I'm saying I was going for the Braves at this, at at this one. Me too. But I I just want to point
0: out the strategy, you know.
1: Yeah. 87 wins. Yeah. 87 wins gets you in. You get hot at the right time. you got the right mix of guys. You can go far because it's just, uh, you know, a one month tournament. And here's the other stupid thing. It's in October, you guys. I mean, football's starting up. People are getting into that. College and pro. So, uh. You know, they aren't it's not like baseball has it all to themselves at that exact point to even have these extra playoff games. They seem to be counting on these this extra revenue from extra playoff series. I'm assuming they'd maybe even be going to a playoff series format. Maybe even the wild card becomes a three-game. I don't know the details of it. Um, but if yeah. you remember when they did 14 teams in uh, 2020 – it was a three game series between the Cubs and the the Marlins to start it out. So, um,
0: yeah, I think it is a three game series and it's like three games. If you have the winning record, you get the home field advantage or whatever. And the top team gets to sit that out. Although you mentioned last time, and I thought you were totally right that sitting out and like resting for five days in the middle of a hot streak is not exactly a boon for a baseball team. That's not helpful. (laughs)
1: I mean, the only way it could help you is if you're going to, you know, rest your bullpen or, you know, you got a guy coming back from injury and you could use the, the extra days. But that's really the only way is if you need the rest. Um, other than that, yeah, it could be a real momentum killer. Um, the, the other thing that kind of ruins, I mean, I don't, I, I know a lot of people hate the one game wild card and they're like, that's not baseball. But you must admit, like, it is exciting, uh, a, a one game wild uh, play-in game uh, for you know to to have a chance to face the best team in your league is an exciting thing. Just like it's exciting to have a tied division, you know, at the end of a year, that's going to generate more interest than anything. Um, people fighting for the division. I mean, you also don't want to de incentivize winning the division. Um, I don't know that a having a buy is an incentive to win your division that much. You know, I think baseball players want to play baseball. And, you know, as I said, like, oh, let's take the best team and (laughs) have them not play. Yeah, everybody will watch that. Like, why are you even tuning in to, uh, you know, a three-game set in early October uh, to watch two 500 teams (laughs) sock it out for three games to see who faces the powerhouse? Like, I don't don't know if that – is good for the game, really? I mean, I just think it's too many teams, personally. But um, also, not exciting. One game is exciting, even if. Yeah. I mean, I went to I went to one really great wild card game in Pittsburgh, and I went to one really horrible one at Wrigley, and I can say the Rockies game. They were, yeah, they were at least exciting.
0: I was at that Rockies game. That was that was pretty exciting and then horribly devastating in the 14th inning. Uh speak we're going to take a break here. We've got a couple more things to talk about with the CBA for for starters. I want to talk about some miscellaneous notes there. I want to talk about a piece I wrote earlier this week looking at the economics of who exactly is the MLBPA and how much are people actually making in the players union. I think it's a little bit illuminating. And then we're also going we have some good news Cubs fans, so stick around. Uh we're going to take a look at the top 100-ish uh, Fangraphs prospects and why there are five Cubs on it, which is optimism for the future, even if it's not the immediate future. But first, a quick word for our sponsors. All right. A couple other notes from CBA stuff. This one is just kind of miscellaneous, so I'll start with it. I think we can knock it out quick. Uh There was an item on Saturday that MLB wants to change the rules so that you know how MLB can like unilaterally implement some rules changes in order to make the season work. They did that with like sticky stuff enforcement. They've done that with like um, the ways the way that's how the whole 2020 season happened. There wasn't actually an agreed to anything. Rob Manfred just said there would be a 60 game season and laid out the parameters for it. MLB wants to change that so that they only need 45 days and they can just like start implementing rules changes. So theoretically, they could do things like, I don't know, say in April, hey, by the way, in May we're gonna limit the shift, and players would just have to accept that. I think this is bananas. I think that the idea that MLB could just like be changing the rules in the middle of the season to try out new stuff is is out of control. It it changes players' livelihoods. I mean, if you were a lefty one out guy before the three batter minimum came in. I mean, you lost your job. Like those are, those are jobs that no longer exist because MLB changed the rules. The players are hot about this, Danny. What do you think of MLB being able to just change things with 45 days?
1: Well, yeah. Well, it depends. Well, why do they want this power? Is the question. And if they want this, do they want to use it for good or evil? <laughs> you know, and are always evil. Always. Better? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so that's what you got to ask yourself. They haven't really proven themselves that they're just like these benevolent dictators that like make the game better all the time. And let's just always do what they say, because it hasn't really gone that way, has it? So, um, yeah, it it seems unfair to me. Uh, I mean, the sticky stuff thing. Sure. I mean, we saw a lot of shenanigans happening but they were also changing the baseball on on people in the middle of the season too and using two different baseballs i mean there's shenanigans on both sides at this point um so did they have to nip that sticky stuff in the bud i think they probably did um uh, but uh, at the same time it's like when you construct a roster you're doing it based upon the information available to you at the beginning of the season if you do end up, yeah, like you said, with a loogie, and you're like, well, this guy's our loogie, and we need that because in our division, we got all these tough left, left-handed left sluggers, batting fifth, you know, or whatever it is, and then all of a sudden, you can't use that guy because he can't get right. He's out to save his life, and that guy loses his job. Well, you also are down like a roster, dude, and you're out there looking for somebody who is different than that, you know, with the reverse splits or something. I don't know, but um. You know, so it seems kind of BS, like 45 days seems like a long time. But, you know, you got to think about all the ways that you construct a roster based upon the rules. And I don't think you can just reconstruct a roster on the fly in the middle of a season if you were based on one rule. And this is also hypothetical because I don't know why they want this power, you know. Right. um But if the players don't like it, they sure, they've thought through it. And I trust the players that this would suck for them, you know, or it has sucked in the past when they're changing baseballs.
0: Well, you know, Theo's out there overseeing all the potential rules changes at various levels of the minors to see what could happen. I mean, I just imagine, and I don't think that it's in anybody's interest for MLB to, like, implement robot umps in the middle of the season or something. Like, surprise, there are now robot umps. I, I don't think they would do that, but who knows? I do think that there's all sorts of weird, like, the bases are slightly bigger. We're gonna try to make some rules about the shift. We're gonna make we're gonna see what we can do about trying a pitch clock, right? Like there are all sorts of weird things that I just don't like the idea of MLB changing the fundamental ways that the game is played on a whim. I the worst of these, in my opinion, was when they changed the rules to for the extra inning stuff with the Manfred man on second and like you got the like that is not baseball like you you never (laughs) it's not real baseball why would you play a game for nine innings only to change the rules all of a sudden
1: yeah no it's no everybody hates that rule except the players like it because they get to go home early and the writers like it for the same reason yeah exactly if your job is based upon not you know you could be writing this thing up at 10 o'clock or you could be writing it up at one in the morning uh your game recap I mean guess which one you would you would you I mean you get paid the same right if you work six hours or three hours which would right. you rather do so I I get it um but it, it's still like it it's not baseball and it it makes it makes weird baseball a thing of the right. past which you know that's one thing I've always enjoyed about baseball and why it's my favorite sport why it's the only sport I really follow is because weird things happen in baseball and they're they want to get rid of more and more of that stuff I think based upon um well i think just based upon gambling to be honest like they want to like lower right. the odds that something weird could happen and like some odds makers going to lose his money so um and now that the, the owners actually can are in on the the deal <laughs> and own the casino by where people are to their bets and drink and food you yeah, i mean it's just so obvious what their um what their uh I guess impetus and uh, motivation might be to want to have this, this rule change power. It's like, Oh man, we're losing our shirts at the casino. (laughs) Let's change the (laughs) rule. (laughs) From from now on, the guy in in the odd deck circle can try to disrupt the play with his bat. Um, So I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I'd watch that.
0: I'm glad that you bring up gambling uh, because one of the notes that I thought was most interesting yesterday after the negotiations came from Craig Calcaterra, who used to be at NBC Sports and currently writes his blo- uh, his substack, Cup of Coffee, which is a great substack. It's got a ton of baseball information. And Craig has a wealth of knowledge about the law and how baseball works. Um, but one of his notes was that the owners are willing to... Sa- this is his tweet. I'm reading it verbatim. The owners are willing to sacrifice... A month or maybe more of the season in order to break the union, I suggest taking them up on that invitation, specifying expanded playoffs are now off the table and seeing how their debt holders and gambling partners feel about that. Because frankly, the people who are going to lose a ton of money if expanded playoffs go away for the next five years are those people building casinos and in the hopes of extra games that they want thousands and thousands of baseball fans to bet on in perpetuity, right? Like the, the sports book at Wrigley is already being built. If the expanded playoffs go off the table, that is a lot of games and a lot of betting action that is never coming, that is not coming to fruition for the next five years. So I think the players think should the stand firm on that.
1: Playoffs? <laughs> you think the Cubs are going to make the They playoffs? don't have to.
0: People are going to go hang out at Wrigley and bet on other teams. That's the reason it's a boon, even if you don't make the yeah. playoffs, right? Yeah. Like yeah. the the TV rights, Go to all of the teams, regardless. It's not like TV rights just go to the right. to the expanded playoff teams. Like the it, if you're the Diamondbacks and you have no hope of sniffing the playoffs for a couple of seasons, it doesn't matter. You still get revenue from that.
1: Yeah, and we're also talking about like the the league has already grown the revenue that they've been able to take in the last few years. Player share has been going down, so uh, all signs point to the fact that owners revenue will continue to grow if not exponentially because this I mean legalized sports gambling terrible is idea. basically it's like it's Pandora's box. I mean this is like when the internet was invented.
0: It really <laughs> is. it's a like, bad
1: except yeah, well I don't know. The internet did that really
0: turn out that True. great No I don't um, know. It's 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 yeah, kinda I mean, it's up in the air right now.
1: it's you know, it's it's a double edged sword of course, like most things. But you know the I'm I'm a non-gambler so I'll just like preface it by saying that I don't really care if you if you gamble um but I do know that the house always wins like that's pretty much why I don't gamble because eventually You'll Go broke, and you know, there are very few people for all the stories of when somebody comes back from Vegas, being like, I won 10 grand on a slot. There's a lot more people, uh, who lost 500 bucks, and you know, that you know, they lost maybe fifty thousand dollars over the course of their life, and the one guy won 10 grand. So, you know, it's a good business if you look at casinos, you know, and how opulent they can be, and how beautiful they are, and you know, you can pretty much tell that they have a lot of money to spend. So uh and where does that money come from? Well, you and me. So th- these owners are not dumb. They're going to make so much money. I mean, people love gambling. It's actually kind of annoying and we're going to have like two different kinds of sports fans the we already had like the fantasy league fans and then like the old timer fans and now you're going to have the gambler fans on top of it and everybody always like talking about spreads and being mad that the Cubs won but didn't cover you know what i mean like, like yeah are you a Cubs fan you know it's like so it's like you know and but all that money's just going to be dumped into their pocket so this is just another thing that the is going to make money with and so that's why i think if like craig says If they, if they knock off April, you think the owners give a crap about a bunch of like cold rainy days at Wrigley field, Uh, you know, when nobody's interested, you know, on the, you know, they don't care besides opening day, April's pretty dead. It's when you, it's really the feet get to the fire. When you get into like Memorial day and beyond. And then uh, unfortunately, then you're looking at like, what are we going to lose half a season? If not the whole season at that point, depending how dug in they are. So the money from spring training, that's already going to be screwed for, with, the, with the owners. That's going to come out of their pocket. They obviously don't care. They already said they don't mind losing games, and especially don't care about losing April games. So that's why I don't have a lot of hope that if, if we we're going to do April, now we're looking at July. And if you remember what happened with the stupid 60-game season, they could have been back. They could have been back, what, May?
0: Oh, easily, been, yeah, yeah. Or like, all they had to do was come to an july, agreement. Or, the whole goal was yeah. like get get games back by the fourth of July. Let's go go America, right, And they couldn't do yeah. it,
1: yeah, they couldn't even play till they didn't play till like what end of July, I believe it was like yeah, I think it's yeah, days. that's
0: right. like I think the first games were yeah. july twenty eighth or twenty ninth or something
1: and and back then, you know, Manfred implemented that 60-game season. That, that was not an agreement, like you mentioned earlier. And this time, they could kind of do the same thing. Uh, the, play would, the ball would be put in the player's court as to whether they'd want to, I don't know, strike maybe or have a work stoppage in a different way. But the owners locked the players out. So at any time, they could repeal that lockout and, if agreed to, play under the old CBA in perpetuity. Right. So which I don't the owners probably would love cuz it's a pretty good deal for them.
0: Well, so. <laughs> what's wild is that what the MLBPA is offering and and I forget who made this point on Twitter, so I apologize cuz somebody made this point, it wasn't me. I cannot give credit to them cuz it's not up in front of me at the moment. But but somebody made the point on Twitter that that what the current MLBPA offer is in terms of, you know, we keep the thresholds for the CBT about where they are but we bump it So that it's $20 million more the first year and then like goes up with inflation. After that, we do this pre-arb stuff and the bonus pool and yada yada. That is still a win for the owners. The owners are still going to rake in more profits out of the lion's share of MLB's profits than the players will. The players will have just made some incremental gains and stopped like actually hemorrhaging all of the losses that they've gotten from the last two agreement. So it's one of these situations where it's like the owners are stopping the season because they haven't won enough. They have not put their boot on the throat of the players and squashed the union. And they think that that's the only way that they can win. They can't give up anything. They're not okay with a close win. They're not okay with taking slightly more of the profits. They want all the more of the profits. It is the grossest type of negotiating tactic. And it leads me to my next point, which is based on a piece that I wrote last week. Um, It dropped on Friday, looking at the economics of who exactly is in the MLBPA, because, you know, and Danny, I want to thank you for this, because you kind of inspired it a little bit A couple episodes ago, you mentioned, you know, Slumdog Thousandaire versus Slumdog Millionaire. And and it got me thinking, like, how many of these players are actually millionaires? Like, what constitutes being a millionaire, right? And it turns out that if you take a look at the Cubs roster in 2021, and admittedly, that is probably not representative of the entire league. In fact, I'm relatively certain it's not. Daniel Epstein over at Baseball Prospectus uh, had a tweet yesterday that said that, 31.9% of ML the players on the 40 man, which is who the MLBPA represents, uh make less than a million dollars a year. When you think about that in terms of the fact that a lot of those players only get one to three years of service time, they're not really making all that much money when you take their entire minor league career into account, right? Like you stay in the minors for seven years, you play in the majors for a year or two, you make the league minimum. If you made a million dollars over 10 years, that does not make you a millionaire. And for the 2021 Cubs, that number was even more egregious. And yes, it's because of Blue Blue Friday and the way they traded off all of their World Series core talent. But in 2021, according to the track data that I looked into, fully 73% of the players who logged service time with the Cubs made less than a million dollars over the course of the season. And 21.6% of them made less than the league minimum because they were like 40 man guys who got pulled up for a day and didn't get the full contract. They got a prorated part of the contract. I mean, there are so many players (laughs) represented by the union who do not make the league minimum. I don't think people understand that. They see $570,000 and they think, oh, that's that's a great salary. I would love to make that salary to play some baseball. A lot of players aren't making that. They're making like the 40000 plus a per diem and hoping they don't get shipped back to Iowa.
1: Well, and it's just such a small, I mean, it's only 1,200 people at any given time. So it's just such, from all over the world. I mean, mean, do the math on that. 1,200 out of 10 billion humans on the planet get to play this one sport in this league. And you would think that, you know, they could make as much as, I don't know, like... I don't know. I mean, who else? What? Who's another person that makes a million bucks? Like a, a, a mid, a vice president at an ad agency.
0: Yeah, it you sounds know, about right.
1: In, in Manhattan, um, an investment banker for Merrill Lynch. You know, on, in his twentieth year. I don't know, but they can. Here's, but they have such a finite amount of time to make this money, and the risk of injury and everything that goes with it, and that risk is not really carried by the owners until this guy's like 30 years old at that point, you know, he's got 12 years of baseball on his body, all these seasons. And then they're like, maybe you can get really rich. And that's such a small sliver of people. And, and this is such a public, um, perform. I mean, it's a public performance witnessed by millions. I mean, 3 million people go to buy tickets to a Cubs game in a year. with an average ticket price of $50, you know, that's, you're making some money. You have $40,000 cup snakes, one cup snake, (laughs) $40,000, you know what I mean? Like adding this stuff up around and I'm, and I'm like, I'm not crying for them. Uh, You know, they can afford a lot more, uh, you know, and you know, sure. I'm a communist. (laughs) So I think that the workers should, you know, control the and own the means of production. I, I don't see why an owner should get to just siphon all of the um, excess profit from other people's labor off to do something else with the money, whether it be you know get, uh, you know run for governor of Nebraska or uh, as the case may be or um or or anything else you know like i, d- I don't see why that money shouldn't go to ian hap you know for example who's actually a cool guy who like raises money with his coffee who who like who when when the chips were down and there was a pandemic happening um actually like said to all these his minor league friends who didn't have money uh hey i have money guys i'm a bonus baby i'm in the majors i've hung around a little bit i have enough money to feed and house you guys Come on over, like I want the money to go to him. Yes, you know what I mean. So totally, it's like so when you, so even when it comes to millionaires versus billionaires, I'd rather go to an Ian Hap type millionaire or for Pedro Strope to go down and like build an academy in the Dominican and like that's where these guys will spend the money on good things. The billionaires they just won't, and then the thousandaires, um you know. I mean, sure, we would all love to make five hundred thousand dollars this year, but if you had if you had gone into debt and owed a lot of people money and then, or or even if you made $500,000 and the government took half of it and your agent took another 25%, um, you know, and you're not paid for spring training and you got, and you know, you're only working half the year and uh, you know, there's other things. And you get, and let's say you only, like you said, two, three years in, which is about average. If you make it, you'll be in for two years. You're not becoming a millionaire, I know, I don't think, in the end. And I think you should, probably should be able to be yeah. a millionaire with playing it, just making it um, for a couple of years. Uh, that should be what what happens to you because, let's face it, a million bucks, um, it's it's great, you know, but, uh, man, isn't that what most people think they need to retire these days is a billion dollars, you know? It's like, you know, it's just these guys, it's just a finite amount of time that they can make it, and uh, sure, it's a lot of money. I'm not gonna give. Uh, if, I would love to make that kind of money, but uh, you know, even so, it's it, you're not a tycoon. You know, you're not. It's not. Right. You're not boat rich. You're not even house rich these days. You know, you're you can't not even, get a like, yacht. You're even. Yeah. You, well, and who cares about a yacht? I mean, you can't even like buy your mama house anymore. I made the major to buy mama house. <laughs> no, like because houses are a million dollars now. Like even in stupid neighborhoods, they're a million dollars now. You know because of inflation, yep. so you know, so I know a million sounds like a lot, but and it is, um, uh, but but it's also like not in many respects, too. And in, in many facets, like, do you guys do you want these guys to live in a, a six-floor walk-up? <laughs> you know, is that <laughs> what you want for them? Do you, you know, it, it, it just doesn't make sense to me, like, yeah. You know, the anybody would it be on the owner's side, you know, I just don't get it.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that a couple of great points have been made about this, and you had a lot of them in there. I, I want to uh, give credit to Eric Dadman over at Pitchers List for this one, because one of the things that people forget, you know what you were just talking about, MLB players have talent. That's who we go to see. We go to see Ian Happ. We go to watch him hit monster home runs and do make good plays in the outfield and hopefully be good Ian Hap when he's like MVP caliber Ian Happ, as opposed to the Ian Happ who's like real, really struggling and striking out a ton. But Dadman points it out and then he says, you know, 12 MLB owners inherited their fortunes while others did so by doing things like perpetuating massive insider trading schemes and charging $300 million in legal fees to victims of asbestos poisoning. Every okay. single player has earned their seat at the table. Like Dick Monfort inherited his father's fortune. That's why he owns the Rockies. Like he was born into a rich family. He now has money that he inherited. Why do? Why would we reward that? And then there's the last little piece I want to put here on the millionaires versus billionaires. And keep in mind that like a third of these guys are not even, they're not millionaires. They're not sniffing a million dollars. Uh, Adam Johnson, I included this tweet in my piece on Friday, writes, you know, framing the MLB lockout as billionaires versus millionaires is A stupid anti-labor talking point that should always be followed by mentioning that if you made a dollar every second, it would take you 11.6 days to become a millionaire and 31.6 years to become a billionaire. Like the difference of scale here is so massively skewed, we can barely comprehend it in our brains. The billionaires are fine, people. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) Yeah, um, man, I should be, start making a dollar a second because I could be a billionaire, and uh, by the time I'm ready to retire, <laughs> um, <laughs> you can get right on that. <laughs> um, uh, by uh, you can uh, Venmo Sunranto
0: <laughs> one dollar a second. Uh, no, uh,
1: no, it's it's the uh, we can't comprehend it. it. It's it's a it's a million dollars is is pretty. It's a thousand. It's a thousand. A billion is a thousand millions correct
0: i i think so yeah. uh yeah that sounds yeah, right a
1: 100 million is a thing and 900 million is a thing so 1000 billions yeah. so ba- so basically uh you know you have one man who's a billionaire tom Ricketts, let's say and if he was the Poor if example. he were to pay Poor all 1200 if he were to pay all 1200 players in the major leagues a billion uh, uh, well a uh, 1 million dollars if you would pay every single one of the one thousand two hundred players one uh, one million dollars, uh, and that Tom had uh, two billion dollars, he would still have a billion dollars even after giving everybody a million. Like th- that's kind of how that works. So, anyway, And we're not I'm, asking, I'm asking him sure to pay I all of him. them.
0: We're asking him to pay yeah, forty exactly. of them, like forty. 40 them, yeah,
1: yeah, forty out of twelve hundred. He has to pay, but <laughs> thirty
0: other billionaires and, and can then, split the load here. I mean, I, it just seems totally so- reasonable to me. And
1: even, even a better deal for, for Tommy Boy and all the other owners is this, is that he doesn't even have to pay those guys. We pay for it because 3 million people show up at the ballpark and pay $50 for a ticket on average. And we also buy hot dogs, overpriced hot dogs. A lot and of beer. dollars cups, snakes, and maybe buy the t-shirts. A lot of beer. A lot of, yeah, a lot of beer. And so – so, you know, and plus you get the revenue stream and you get the expanded playoffs and you get the gambling. And you, I mean, just like I don't know who if if nobody if anybody li- is still listening to this podcast, it is not sick of me just piling on about, you know, how one sided this argument is to me. You know, I don't know. I, I'll stop now. I've, it's been enough. <laughs> I've just. Yeah, we've hammered this Mexico. one. I'm supposed to be happy.
0: Yeah, we we've hammered this one. I'm sure we'll get to talk more about millionaires and billionaires because it does not look like the players and the owners are going to be making a deal anytime soon. And I hope whatever deal they make benefits the thousandaires over everybody because those are the guys that need it, and there are a lot of them.
1: Hey, I'm a thousandaire.
0: I'm a thousandaire too. Pretty
1: snazzy, huh? Yeah,
0: look at us. I went from
1: hundred. I went from debt to hundredaire to thousandaire. Freaking look at us, Danny making it. (laughs) Now I just need to. And now I just need a, a
0: dollar a minute. <laughs> dollar a second. Dollar a second. Uh, oh, a the, second. A second. Oh, my God. <laughs> um. So let's talk a little bit about the future of the Cubs. Fangraphs dropped their top 100-ish. Uh, they do a – they. Leave it like anybody who's tied at the bottom, they just don't do a cutoff. So this year it's 114 top prospects. It has five Cubs in it. Now I should note that only two of those are in the top 100. The other ones are sort of clustered in that like later uh, range. But uh, Josh Timmer's over at BCB had a great write up of these prospects. He's also been doing his own prospect series. We talked a little bit about the guys who are coming up in the future, and admittedly, most of them are a long way away. I think the only players that we might see this year are maybe a Brennan Davis and at the middle of the season, if there is a season, um, you know, perhaps a Braylon Marquez gets a shot to come back up and you can see what he can do after a year of sort of rehabbing some injuries and whatnot. Uh, You know, what do you think about the fact that this team looks pretty solid going into the future, Danny?
1: Well, I just hope I live long enough to see these guys. <laughs> I, mean, I am in Mexico. Uh, no, it's it, they're a while off, and except for Brendan Davis, uh, the other guys are a while off. They're pretty young. Um, it's exciting, you know. I mean, I saw some picture of Kevin Alcantara standing next to a bunch of other young guys at minor league camp, and I was like, oh my god, that man is giant! And then I saw, I looked it up, six six. And That's I was huge. like, Well, He's skinny but you know maybe he's also young and you know maybe he fills out and we and we can see some big things out of the guy. Maybe he's the next Sammy Sosa. I don't know. Like let's let's hope. Um you know Owen Casey another he's from the U.S. He's also giant. Uh, trade, yeah, I believe. Yeah, so is Reginald Preciado, you know, very young shortstop, but you know uh, it, it's it this is exciting. Uh, James Trianto's getting a lot of press this week. He was the other one on the list. I mean, you know, this is Sure. You know, this is awesome. It just, it's not going to happen soon. Hey, but maybe by the time baseball's back, it'll it will happen. Maybe by the time the lockout is over, they'll be ready because um, they're the only ones that are going to be playing except for Brendan Davis, who's on the 40 men. So um, yeah, I, it's exciting. You know, there's always going to be younger guys that are going to be coming up through the system. And it's nice that the Cubs maybe will have a rated. Some people are predicting by the end of this year will be more of a rated farm system, which not only means that you have things in the guys in the system that are going to come through and maybe be a part of your future, but also means you have some trade ships. If you piece together, it's buy a team and need to buy a little bit more with what you have. So uh, it it can only be a place of strength to have uh, players that there's a buzz around.
0: Yeah, totally. I, I think that we might need to take some uh field trips to South Bend or maybe Iowa to watch some of these guys because minor league baseball will be happening even if major league baseball is not. And I, I'm pretty excited about some of these young guys in the system. They sound like they, they're they interesting prospects and that the Cubs really did do a nice restock of their system with those trades that broke all of our hearts last July. Uh, speaking of one of those prospects who did not make fan graphs, Top uh, 100-ish list, but it's still pretty interesting. I don't know, Danny, did you happen to catch the pictures of Pete Crow Armstrong doing some drills out in Mesa where he was robbing home runs? This guy can fly. Like It was so exciting. I don't think I've seen anyone get air like that on a baseball for the Cubs in center field. And I don't know, maybe since Reed Johnson. I mean, it was honestly impressive. And the idea that the Cubs have a guy in their system who can actually play a legitimate plus defense center field was so freaking exciting to me. I was just like, I can't wait to watch Pete Crow Armstrong rob some homers.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, isn't that always the knock on the Cubs that, uh, that we never have a center fielder. Dex was like really the last guy and then we just never have that person. Elmore was supposed to be it, and he couldn't hit. But like we just never can find that center fielder. It's just always been a, a kind of a black hole on the team. And so, yeah, that would be just amazing if we could get someone one up there. Um, now, now if you could get a center fielder that's also a leadoff hitter, now you've now that's the golden <laughs> Whoa. arrow. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Those are the two things we never have. And like, you know, imagine he's got speed, pits 300, maybe even steals 35 bases at a time. But, oh, how excited we would all be. So, no, that would be great. And he's got an awesome name. I mean, anybody with crow in the middle of their name is just cool. No matter what. And um, and that's just how that works. The Mets gave up on him, which is seems weird because he was just injured. But he was one of their top prospects, and so the cool thing about Pete Crow Armstrong is unlike the other guys that we just rattled off, that are you know kind of uh, too young to be top one hundreds, um, Pete might be closer because wasn't was he already at Double A?
0: I think he was. I'd, I'd have to look. I don't have his player card in front of me, but he was a little bit closer, and he yeah he uh, should be. Well, let's see. This I'm looking at a is piece that of...
1: start in Tennessee.
0: I think he's twenty. I think he's. I think he's twenty right now. If I'm doing the math right, I have a different piece up that I'm I wanted to talk it, he's about. Nineteen,
1: right? He will be twenty on March 25th. Okay. But here's a. But he's a first rounder, drafted 19. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, but you know, so he's he's 20 years, maybe a little bit young, but I mean, it's, I mean look at the Cubs. Like, look who's on the freaking Cubs. Like, why not have? Oh no, no, he did not make it. He was single A. So there's a good chance he'll be at Double A this year. So he was at St. Lucie, but he he missed a little bit of that time with uh, it was a shoulder, but it wasn't his throwing shoulder, I believe.
0: Interesting. Well, the last thing I want to talk about before we head off for today is Sahadev, and, uh, Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney over at The Athletic participated in a look at what the NL Central might look like in 2025. Um, the fun thing about this for me is that Sahadev and Patrick Mooney basically like went and they did the exercise of, hey, the Cubs are still a big market team. They can make some trades. So where all of these other beat writers sort of took the path of like who's in the farm system, who might be up. The projected opening day lineup for 2025 for the Cubs has, you know, Miguel Amaya, Owen Casey, Nico Horner. Those are some guys in the system right now. But at third base, they project Glaber Torres uh, after a trade at shortstop. They have the Cubs going after Fernando Tatis Jr., which, look, I love it. Like, if if Tatis is ever a Cub, that would be incredibly amazing. And I would be really excited about it. The idea being that the Padres will get gun shy about that contract when it doesn't pan out in a few years. Um, They've got Kevin Alcantara, Pete Crow Armstrong, Brennan Davis. And then the roster is what really excited me. Uh, The pitching roster is what really excited me. They had Shane Baz, Jack Flaherty, Noah Syndergaard, Caleb Killian and Jordan Wick. So you got two homegrown guys there and then three monster trades. I thought it was a fun exercise in the Cubs are still a big market team and they can make some trades and pay some guys.
1: I mean, if you have enough guys in your starting rotation that uh, you're paying under a million dollars, that may, will should afford you the opportunity to go out there and get the number one free agent uh, on <laughs> the market every single year, you know. And so, that, yeah, that would be v- very exciting. I mean, you know, this is all kind of pie in the sky stuff, you know. I, as much as, uh, I mean, and, and this is kind of what I, I started the Sun Ranto show back in 2013, and everybody was excited in 2013, 2014, 2015 about some of these prospects that we were about to bring up. And I was like, this is all fine and good. I'm really excited to see these guys at Wrigley Field. Like, tell me when they played their way onto this team. Kyle Schwarber played his way onto the team. Chris Bryant played his way onto the team. Uh, Wilson Contreras played his way on the team. Now, that's what I want to see. Now and and some of these guys, Wilson Contreras, wasn't necessarily on people's radar as to, to be somebody that was gonna be the guy. That's a, why he was I love him. To be Amaya. Yeah. So I mean, uh, you know, it, so for me, it's just like call me when this is happening. Twenty twenty-five that is a long way off in baseball years, and um, you know. I, we're Chicagoans. we live in, in Chicago. We watch the Cubs. There's no reason that the Cubs cannot thread that needle and compete every single year. and we don't have to wait till 2025. This is what the players are trying to solve with the tanking thing and the draft, lottery draft pick and the you know all, and the, the CBT tax and all that stuff. this is what they're trying to fix so that uh, teams don't go into the garbage just so they can get a top five pick, which doesn't seem to matter anyway that much. So it's just like, you know, I don't know. Call me in 2025. I'll get excited with you. (laughs)
0: I I think this team might be exciting in 2023 or 2024, but for now, we're waiting to see if the 2022 season will happen. If there is any emergency news on that front, Danny and I will be here with an emergency podcast. Please, for the love of God, MLB and the MLBPA, make Danny and I find a way to do an emergency podcast sometime this week. We would love you for it. Uh, But in the meantime, we'll be dreaming about the future, looking at what's going on or not going on with the CBA negotiations. And Danny, where can people find you on social media? Uh, while we wait that out.
1: Well, uh, we're going to go live with the Sun Ranto show every Wednesday night, uh, regardless of a deal or not. Uh, we're talking about some kind of Cubs related thing. Last week we had Miguel Esparza, the Spanish language voice of the Chicago Cubs on for a quick interview. Very cool guy. Um, so uh, we, we've been finding fun stuff to talk about. We got Crawley, Michael Cotton. We We go live on Wednesday nights on all our social medias. You got Danny Rockets YouTube, Sunranto YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, just follow at Sunranto or at Sunranto Show, and yeah, or you can find it. You know, this is this is the future, people. You can find anything you want by typing in somebody's name, like Danny Rocket <laughs> or Sunranto. You find everything. But Wednesday, Wednesday at seven o'clock, come and join us. We we'll have a lot of fun there.
0: Yeah, the Sen Ranto show is always a great time. You can find uh, anything related to this podcast on at Cup of Cubby Blue. You can find my takes at at BCB underscore Sarah. And we will be tracking everything going on with the CBA negotiations and the prospects for a 2022 season. In the meantime, on those social channels. Until next time, have a good one.